everyday witches emerge from the shadows of secrecy. Broom closets are flinging open and witches are taking flight. Whether you are hiding in your cozy closet or flying with pride, stay for a spell as witch casting with Theodora Pendragon and her guests share magical moments, stir the cauldron and debunk misinformation and misconceptions about paganism, witches and our wonderful world of magic. You are listening to the 100th episode of Witchcasting with Theodora Pendragon. I'm your host, Theodora, and today I'm joined by a super special guest who doesn't know why she's super special. So stay tuned to hear what I have to tell her. Here we go. episode, I'm joined by Jasmine, the Inked Intuitive. She's a medium, a psychic intuitive, and a tarot reader. Welcome, Jasmine. Hi. Let's start from the beginning. You knew as a child that you had a special gift. Yes. Tell us your story. What happened is I would always get inklings of things that were about to happen and I would see them manifest in real time and in reality, and I would just dismiss it as coincidence. But when some of those images became very, very specific, that's when I knew, okay, I need to go somewhere with this. Now, being a scaredy cat in the beginning, I decided, let me use my tarot cards because the images on tarot cards allow you to make a clear interpretation. I didn't trust myself enough in the beginning just to walk up to people and start, you know, telling them random things about themselves on the street that spirit said they needed to know. Even though that is, you know, more of what I do now, that is where my connection to tarot definitely um, begins. And as far as knowing about this from a young age, um, these gifts also run in my family as well. So I am a clairaudient medium and my mother and my sister are clairvoyant mediums. Can you tell us the difference for those who don't understand what that means? Yes. So a clairvoyant medium is probably the most come across or seen in media, pop culture. And that's one thing that a lot of people at shows or events or holistic fairs advertise. So people may have seen this term a lot. To be clairvoyant means that you have the ability to clearly see. So the the beginning of the word cl- uh, clairvoyant is clair, which means clear. So um, one who is clairvoyant is able to clearly see events happen either in real time by astral projection or in the future. 
a clear audience, which is translation for clear hearing, means that I get my messages directly from spirit to tell me what to say to that person or regarding that situation, which I'm glad it worked out that way because my ass is scary. So I don't like visions just popping up in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night. So my spirit guides know I probably wouldn't do too well with clear uh, clairvoyance. Like a horror movie will keep me up for five or six hours versus my mom or my sister, you know, whether it's in a dream or in public, you know, we'll be walking somewhere and they go, oh, and they see, you know, a spirit or something pass or somebody's at a place in their lives or in the spirit world where they can't rest. That's how they are able to detect messages. And I just get them auditorily. Once you realized you had this gift, did you share this with your mom and sister or did they share their gifts with you before you realized you had the gift? They shared their gifts with me. And for a while, I thought that, oop, that skipped me. Like I was the odd one out. Like, woohoo. Because there are some, you know, just like with genetics, um, there are dominant traits and recessive traits that may miss or, you know, hit some people in the same family. So I thought it missed me. And I didn't think much of it. It wasn't until about 13, 14 years ago when I really actively started my spiritual practice and whatnot that I just kind of said, hey, you guys aren't the only cool ones in the family. I have this too. But it did take them a while to understand how that works because the majority of my family goes off of sight um, instead of hearing. So they weren't surprised at all. They were more so surprised as to the form that it took instead of being clairvoyant, it was clairaudience. That must be fun to have a mom and a sister and you all can share what you see and hear. Is that fun? Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And it's because we're all so used to it. It comes up just in normal conversation, you know, just checking in with my mom. Oh, I had this dream. So, you know, don't buy this right now. Or my sister will call me in the middle of the night and say, hey, are you stressed? Because I had this dream and saw you dealing with A, B, C, D, E, F, G versus for me, when we're all sitting on the phone or sitting down with one another, when you know we're visiting over the holidays, I'll just kind of tell them about my experiences and I'll know things without having any visual proof. So an example would be my mom was coming from the eye doctor. This was about um, a year and a half ago. She was like, girl, she said, I'm getting old. And she is not at all. Her 70th birthday was just two days ago. So she is awesome. She was like, I'm getting old. And uh, the doctor told me, and before she could even finish, I said, um, you're developing glaucoma because you have a gray spot in your left eye. And she said, yeah. She said, that's exactly what he said. She goes, were we on the phone? I said, no, but you went to the doctor in our hometown and you just left about 15 minutes ago, but he was very clear, but it's not anything to be concerned about. It's just something to keep an eye on. And so most people would be like, oh, goodness, how did you know? My mom was just kind of like, yeah, girl, that's exactly what he said. Anyways, I'm about to stop and get something to eat. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's that natural um, in my family, for sure. So you're used to talking to each other like this. Yes, yes. We do have to make a conscious effort. And this is where it gets difficult. We have to make a conscious effort to stay out of everybody's business. Right. And it's hard because, you know, I'm I'm her daughter. I'm her youngest, you know, and my sister is the oldest. So there's always that extra worry about the baby. 
So one thing that we've all had to really work on, whether it's actively or passively practicing, is understanding how to turn it off. And me being in education, oh my goodness, that took years of practice because teenagers' energy, I work at a high school, teenagers' energy is so big. So you are getting messages a whole day about what these babies are going through at home and their relationships with their jobs. And it does become very stressful. I thought I was depressed for several years because every day after work, I would come home and sleep from 5.30 to 7.45. And after really doing some some work, I understood it wasn't depression. It was exhaustion. And I didn't even see it as being exhausting because I love being around you know, the, the kids. But something else to consider is up until recently, I'm still in education, but I was an English teacher. So I don't know if you can think back to your English teachers or your English classes. That was where all the emotions came out because you don't get to talk about your feelings and interpretations in math. You don't get to talk about your feelings and personal connections and science. So that also made it, you know, a lot more for those messages to come in. So going back to what you were originally asking in education or in my family life or my personal life, I definitely have to make sure I can train myself or I have trained myself to turn it off. And um, my boyfriend is the same way. He's a clairsentient. So he has the gift of touch. So if he hugs me when I come home from work and I'm stressed, he'll back off because he's seen images of what happened to me at work that day. So we all have to make that mindful effort to kind of turn it off. That's so cool. How did you two find each other? (laughs) (laughs) That's rare. Yeah, we found each other because we actually are both in education. And he was my supervisor many moons ago. And um, work with me directly in the English department. But um, as time and lives went on, we were like, oh, there is this kind of badass attraction. So we decided, you know, um, among other things to definitely start dating and, you know, let's make this work. And it's been wonderful ever since. But clairsentience, I'm sorry, for those who may not be aware, is clear a feeling. So clairsentience can come in the form of being an empath or it can come in the form of, hey, here's my grandfather's pocket watch. What can you get? He can hold that in his hand and see images, see where they were from, see what they looked like. So if we go shopping or antiquing, we have to be very mindful that he kind of walks with his hands really close together because obviously antiques have a lot of stories and age. So if he touches something on accident, it's either, oh, that was really cool. Or it's, I don't like where this jacket or dresser came from at all you know, and and he'll leave it at that. So sometimes he'll stay in the car. Other times he'll just kind of walk around and get lost. But we all deal with that for sure. (laughs) How did the two of you reveal to the other your abilities? The the gift, yeah. (laughs) So um, when we worked together, he knew that I was a a clairaudient medium and a uh, psychic medium and tarot reader. He knew all that from Jump. His gifts were revealed actually through me later on down the line. He always just thought it was imagination or "Mm, this is just the energy that I get. He didn't understand the accuracy. And we've even run tests on each other. Like I'll give him an object of something that belonged to someone in my family and just say, hold this. And he will know exactly who it came from. Oh, this was your grandmother's. This was 
you know, um, your aunt, this you owned and blah, blah, blah. So he found out by accident and my ass is all excited. Like, oh, we can be creeps Creeps. together. (laughs) (laughs) We can be creeps together. (laughs) You know, actually, this is quite rare for a couple like you. It's usually one or the other. It is, but it balances things out so well because I tend to be especially in, in channeling or in a session, I definitely tend to be on the emotional side. And so he's my grounding, um, energy for, you know, for that, because you can, you know, touch it, see it, hang on to it. It's right here in this time. And for me, you know, a lot of people do aura photography and whatnot as well. My crown and, you know, third eye are are huge, but my root chakra is a pencil point. It's very small, which is very common with mediums of any kind because they don't even realize that they're projecting. My boyfriend is always in the here and now, so he's definitely my grounding energy. And it does make it really fun to balance out one another. Like, no, you need to take this a little bit further. Or, hey, baby, nah, come back down. You know, come back down, come back down. It's it's Monday, you know, come back down. <laughs> Are there any misconceptions about the different kinds of clairs? Yes. A lot of people think when they see the word uh, medium, they automatically go, well, what do you see? What do you see? And I have to tell clients, I get visions every now and then. That's not my forte. That's not what I go to out of out of comfort. Visions only come in if it's very, very, very strong. For the most part, I get you know um, sounds or audio or auditory messages. So a lot of people, when they see the word medium, they automatically think that it means everybody can see. And that is not what it means. Just like you have different personalities, you know that, what's that damn personality, the test, uh, the ENFJ, what's that test called? The Myers-Briggs. Yes, we all have different personalities and different strengths. And the same thing applies with our gifts and metaphysics as well. It's common that people automatically assume, oh, it's sight, oh, it's sight. But you have to break them down and say, yes, this is the most popular or this is what is most, you know, uh, perceived in media and pop culture. But this is what my gift is and this is how it's used. So that's something that I clarify at the beginning of every reading that I do, for sure. Have your interactions with the people you do readings for changed? Yes and no. It depends on the client. So there are some clients that I have that just call once a month just for a basic check-in. And then there are some clients who come to me for guidance and having some serious, you know, dark nights of the soul moments. It's beautiful because the clients who just call to check in, you know, we chit chat, we, we talk our shit. I do the reading for them and we go along our way and they call as needed. Other clients that come in who find me through a friend or find me through a website or anything like that, those are the ones that, oh, they just pull at my heartstrings because they're really going through some things. So those clients become your friends after, you know, a certain amount of time. And then you see them grow. You see them get out of those toxic situations. You see them, you know, go after their goals and their dreams that they had when just, you know, maybe a year ago, they were scared of their own shadow. They didn't like talking in front of people. They weren't good at time management. Because a lot of people think that when you're a medium, it's a bunch of woo-woo. And that's not what it is. Believe it or not, a lot of people want answers to what I consider everyday questions. How is this interview going to go? What do I need to know about this date I'm going to go on? 
I'm in the process of trying to win a case, you know, because attorneys do call me as well. <laughs> like, is there any evidence that I missed? Or is there anything about the client that they're not telling me? And going into the legal part of that, you have to be very, very careful, you know, because that's kind of cheating. Um, you know, like, oh, you missed this or the client didn't tell you this. But it it does happen. It's mostly everyday um, things. But you do have those few that are really going through something and you just see them grow and blossom over time. So there definitely is a positive change. Unfortunately, I have had a client, I I saw emotionally where they were going um, just into a very, very dark place. And, you know, um, they are no longer here due to a choice of taking their own life. But the minute it happened, I woke up out of my sleep because I heard the gunshot. And I have that connection to my friends. So for the most part, it's good. But this is why protection and grounding and balancing is so important and knowing when to cut it off, you know, because in our sleep, we can't. So we get all kinds of messages. But no, it's the, the dynamics of the clients and our relationship, they do change, but it's highly individualized based on what they're going through in that time. Wow, that's heavy duty. So it's not always love and light for you. Oh, oh, see, girl, now see, hold on. <laughs> this is my personal opinion. It's not always love and light. And a lot of people like to go, oh, well, love and light, love and light, love and light. Uh, yeah, that's cute because there can't be light without the dark. I am a strong believer in balance. And, and me personally, people who go around shouting love and light all the time, I look at them a little crazy, like there's something off there. You know, if you've never wanted to bust somebody in the throat, if you've never wanted to like curse while, you know, like holding the steering wheel because somebody cut you off and they were having a bad day and you're like, oh, this is fine. You, in my opinion, you are so delusional about the human experience because there's not all love and light in the human experience. We see innocent children get killed every day. Some of those being my students. What's in love and light about that, right? We see innocent people just end up in bad situations, you know, or they're at the wrong place at the wrong time. So for me, it's it's definitely not, it has never been about love and light. It's about establishing a balance, which is also something that I tell others when they ask about my practice in hoodoo as well. It's about a balance. It's not about love and light completely, no. What can you tell us about social media and how it impacts the integrity and reader ethics? Oh, Lord. Okay. So I am somewhat new to TikTok. You know, Instagram has been my platform. I've been told I should get on YouTube and it was more Facebook for a little while. But girl, when you are scrolling at 2 a.m. in the morning, those lives are something else. You have people who really care about how their gifts affect their clients or those watching. Then you have other people, readers, mediums who lack the ethics, who are just telling their audiences what they want to hear. And that is incredibly dangerous. So social media is a phenomenal place to give tips and tricks and allow people to form their own opinions and their own practices. But for someone who is very impressionable, who doesn't know any better, who's putting their spoon in coffee that they shouldn't be, it can go left really quick. Also for people who are emotionally vulnerable, you know, with their ex-partners or I'm going through a divorce or I'm homeless, they are putting all their money that they have into these readers online that may or may not be practicing ethically. 
And it has gotten a little ugly. And I'm just using TikTok as an example. There are some people that I'm watching, you know, doing these live readings or spell work for people. And I'll just kind of jump in, you know, because when you're on TikTok, you're scrolling. If you see a live, you can then decide, okay, I want to jump in on this and actually be an active or passive participant. And when I've jumped in and some, you know, TikTokers have seen my name pop up, they immediately block me (gasps) because they know I'm not okay. Yes, they know I'm not okay with what's happening. And they will block me on multiple platforms. They're afraid of you. Yes. And I'm not, if you're doing something right and I'm just observing, what do you have to be afraid of? You know, you, you know, you're doing some shady shit. If you see my name pop up and you're like, oh, quick, one of my admin block this person. You know, that goes into all the the drama that's also on social media, the the witches of Instagram drama, the the witch talk drama. That's why I kind of lay low on a lot of those things. But trust me, girl, sis, I will lurk all day. I'll lurk all day. But the reactions to these people that don't even know me, I'm not even saying anything. I'm just clicking join the live and I'm blocked. I'm blocked like multiple times. It's very interesting that that happens, but social media is definitely a place for learning and growth. But if you're not careful and you're not strong in your ethics and your morals, it's also a place of corruption and just nonsense and bullying. So whoever is using social media as a way to learn more about their practice, mediumship, psychics, or witchcraft, Wicca, paganism, any hoodoo, voodoo, anything like that. If I could stress anything, please make sure that you are grounded in yourself and your spirit, because it is very easy to get tied up in the bullshit that is for likes and for reposts and for lives. It it, it can go on forever. Yeah. Social media is a wonderful platform, but people can abuse it. Absolutely. Which is why the people that I follow, I often follow them because they also recommend books. You know, I I can take whatever I want from a book and be like, I like that. I don't vibe with that. But they give a lot of books for their viewers to form their own opinions. It, It worries me when I see a lot of people on social media say it's either this or it's either that. And there's no room for gray, which means that you're taking away people's autonomy and their interpretations and how they want to practice. And that's not to be naive and say that there are some things that I don't know better about or lines to cross and not to cross. For example, with hoodoo and voodoo, right? There are lines that I know that are okay for me to cross and there are lines that I do not cross. But it is okay for me to take these moments to learn about these things through reading and through social media, but I have a pretty level head on my shoulders to know that seems like a good idea, or I'm not sure about that. Let me sit back and listen to somebody else for a while. And, you know, just going on about this, I can talk about this for an hour. The ones who I worry about the most are the teenagers. I don't know if this is the educator in me, but I worry about them the most because they're the ones that are leaving the comments on all these videos about love spells and how to make somebody obsessed with you. And yeah, that shit's cute when you're 15, when they're still at your door at 26, because you didn't do the research on how to break it or how to channel or how to protect yourself or put up a a boundary. You're in a panic and you're terrified and you're lost. And that's what really worries me. It's the younger audience that, that worries me for sure. And they're very impressionable. Yes. Very. That's just something that weighs really heavy on my heart. I see a lot of teens and a lot of adolescents getting in things that they have 
no business getting into without, you know, the the proper training or patience at all. Which is not to say that social media or witchcraft or Wicca, paganism, hoodoo, hoodoo is not safe for a teenager to do, but there are certain steps that you need to take. And what I'm noticing on social media is a lot of people are missing those steps. And when stuff in their life goes awry or they're like, why am I losing all my money? Did you take your time to do the research? Did you take your time to cleanse? Did you take your time to know yourself? For example, I have about 263 tarot decks. You have what? 263. Oh, I think you're addicted. (laughs) I know it's bad. It's bad. I have even more pendulums than that. But do I need the tarot decks? No. For me, the tarot decks are like collecting artwork. But I, I mentioned that to, you know, to point out, even with the 263, I kind of I stick to about five or six, you know, that I use on a daily basis. And those things I understand, like, oh, this is fine. Like, this is art for me, you know, buying some of the tarot decks. But when you have people on social media who don't know any better, they don't know if tarot is for them, you know, it's okay to experiment. It's when you get locked in and you feel that this is the way that it has to go. That's where there's trouble. For instance, I am not drawn to runes at all, right? I have taken the time to experiment with bone divination, pendulums, tarot, you name it, divination tools, crystal balls, scrying, like water scrying, but tarot really works well for me. My other half is drawn to runes. And that's something that he had to meet on his own through trial and error. He didn't you know, just jump into something without doing the research. And that's, you know, going back to about the teenagers, that's what worries me. They can get so fixated on something that they don't realize the repercussions that come with that item. So at the school that I work at, side story, I'll see kids in the cafeteria, you know, with their own little tarot decks. And this is me. Oh, how cute. You know, but I don't say anything, you know, out loud, even though some of the students there um, know what my gifts are. And I'll see them passing girl I can't make this up they're passing their decks to all their friends at the table and I'm like what are you doing you know like all these people are are touching the decks and in the child or the teenager really doesn't see anything wrong with that that that's what I mean because they see all these things on social media of oh this is fine this is okay and they're not doing their own research and the same thing applies to readings to to spells to meditation grounding practice that's why it's so important. I even have a mentorship program, you know, for people who want to learn to develop their own gifts or, you know, tarot skills. And before we even hop to the cards, we do grounding exercises. We do intuition exercises. I even do an interview process to see where they are in their lives to see if this is going to be more of a challenge or something that's going to go a little easier for them. We don't jump to the cards on the first session at all. Mm-mm. Because there's so many things that they have to find out about themselves. And I think that's where social media in that instant gratification, it allows people to skip the processes of understanding who they are, what their gifts are, and how they work. You mentioned that the kiddos share their tarot cards. Can you tell us why that's not a good thing? That is a no-no. That is like sharing your panties. No, you don't do that. You don't do that. (laughs) That is your... That deck, if you have taken time to spend, if you've taken the the proper amount of time to spend with it, that deck holds your energy. And people 
all carry their own energy. So when somebody touches somebody else's, you know, tarot deck, they may or may not know they're putting their energy into that deck, which can muddy your readings. It can make things just feel strange. There was a fair that I did a couple months ago and they didn't know I had stepped away to go to the restroom. And they picked up one of my tarot decks thinking that it was for sale. And that was my fault because I left my table. I was like, hey, can somebody watch my table? I have to go pee, you know, real quick. And I came back and I said, something feels wrong with this deck. And the woman who sat in front of me, she goes, oh, was that my fault? That was the one that I wanted you to, to use for me. And I wasn't angry. I said, this is what you have to understand. And I cleansed it. I said, you right now are coming from a place of stress. And you have now unintentionally invited stress into my tarot deck and my cards aren't reading the same. They're not shuffling the same. I can even tell when shuffling them if somebody's energy has been on those cards. Teenagers who are doing that at school and teenagers who have very big energy as it is, they may be putting all kinds of emotions into that friend's tarot deck. It could be happiness, jealousy, um, you know, they could be a bully. And want to be looking in their face and be like, oh, I'm your friend. But they go home and they're talking shit about you on FaceTime. And now that energy is in an extension of you. It's in your it's in your deck. So a part of my heart crumbles every time I see that in the cafeteria. And I have had to go up to some kids and go, baby, don't do that. And they're like, why don't don't just don't do that, you know, because you don't want to give them too much because that creates buzz in the hallways and being in the public education system, that's always a little risky. (laughs) So for sure. Being in the education system, you're very helpful Mm -hmm. for those kids who are, you know, learning the tarot and you're teaching them, you know, the do's and don'ts. Do your coworkers know about you? Oh yes. They all know. They, they all know. I will get phone calls, you know, for readings, you know, after work hours, or they'll even show up to support me at some of the holistic uh, affairs that I do. They all know from my colleagues to my immediate supervisor. They all know the students, those there are some that can tell they can just look at me and we smile and they can tell Um, others. They have hints about it, but they can't prove it. It has made my job a lot more challenging in some ways, but also a lot easier. This is why I don't have behavior issues in my class, because I can look at a child and hear what's going on in their life. So I know not to call on Samantha today because her parents were fighting in the house last night. So let me leave her alone. So it's it's cheating in a sense, but I've never had to write up a kid or anything like that because I know where they're coming from emotionally without them saying anything, even with seeing auras. But when these kids graduate and they're in their 20s and they find me on Facebook, they're like, I knew it. Can I have a reading now? <laughs> you know, So they they know, but it's not anything that's talked about because it can get really touchy in a public school system for sure. Do you have any coworkers who have a problem with you? No, not oh, at you all. You are very fortunate. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I have. At least a problem with my gifts. Let me say that. Um, there are no coworkers that are scared or have problems with my gifts. There are coworkers, as there are in any job, that, you know, your personality just kind of clash. They don't get along. That doesn't warrant me, you know, reading them, you know, because that's an invasion of privacy. I just have to be the bigger person sometimes and go, I'm not going to cuss you out. I'm going to go on my lunch break. 
you know, because I have had to tell, you know, some people years before there's only two people that can talk to me crazy. And those are my parents and the credit bureau. And you are neither one of those. So I'm going to walk away and go back to my classroom and do whatever I need to do. But as far as what I practice and what I do, not at all. I mean, teachers, other colleagues, some students, principals have seen me at these holistic fairs and have sat down to get readings with me. It's also very common that teachers from the district will call me with an alias name. Um, just the, it, it's very, it's very common. But when I hear their voice, I'm like, oh, this is Miss such and such. But you, you still respect their privacy. You know, you don't want to say that. And I understand because education gets real sticky. I, I completely understand that. I have something to tell you. Yes. You're the reason I have this podcast. Okay. Okay, I need to hear more about this now. You did a reading for me at a festival called the Healing Arts Festival <laughs> back. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay. Back in November 2022. Oh my goodness. I had a table at the festival and I saw you from across the room. And I knew I wanted a reading from you the moment I saw you, but your table was always full. So I didn't get a reading until the end of the day. And the one thing that, okay, you were very accurate in your reading, Mm -hmm. but the one thing that you told me that I did not understand at that moment was you said that I wasn't using my voice. Now I'm very verbal. I use my voice all the time. Right. But you said, you're not using your voice. I said, well, I don't understand what you mean. And you said, you need to find your voice because that's your purpose. You need to find your purpose. Oh, and I thought, I don't know what that means. So I thought, well, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Mm-hmm. The very next morning, I woke up and the first thing that came to my head was, oh, I have to do a podcast. That's what she means. <laughs> that's how I can use my voice. Voice, right. Oh, that's so exciting. Like, that makes me feel so good. I'm sorry if I'm getting emotional because one thing um, as a reader is we go home at the end of those festivals and those fairs and we really, you know, anybody with some damn sense, I'll say that, goes home and they go, did I guide these people in the right direction to my fullest ability today? That, that's what I do. Because if I feel that I'm off or I'm cranky, I just don't do the shows because you're messing with people's lives and their livelihoods, you know, with advice. So that is something that I'm always, even though I've been doing this for years, I always, always, always think about. And any reader will tell you, you know, when people leave their table and they go, that didn't resonate with me. Any experienced reader and a grounded reader, when they say goodbye to the client, they go, well, thank you. The minute the client turns around, we go, oh, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Like, that's what spirit said to say. And we worry about that. And even though we're readers, that validation is so nice to hear. (laughs) It's so nice to hear. Because there are times, girl, when I'm channeling, I know I sound crazy. And you read with me. It's like, it's a lot at once. And I even go to stuttering and I go, hold on, because there's a lot coming in. So to hear that makes me feel really good. That's exciting. (laughs) Thank you. That makes my heart happy. Me too. I'm all over here like, 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm sure the listeners will want to know where to find you. So tell us how they can find you on social media and how they can get a reading from you. Sure. So um, I am on social media as the inked intuitive, all one word on TikTok. I am also on Instagram as the inked intuitive, all one word, all one word. Just be mindful. There are some copycat accounts out there. They have also blocked me. So um, a lot of (laughs) Of my friends will let me know like, Hey girl, you have seven accounts. Who the hell got seven accounts? Like I have one account. So just Be mindful that you select the right one. I will never direct message you for a reading. I will never send you some generic ass, spirit told me that if you don't do this, you're going to die in 72 hours type shit. I will never, you know, send anything like that. But I'm on TikTok, um, definitely, and Instagram. As far as Facebook, I've kind of toyed with the idea of a Facebook because my other business, which is a photography business, um, is also on Facebook. I just think how you can get more of an audience and more of an outreach is a little bit more um, efficient on TikTok or Instagram for sure. I will also put those links in the episode notes. Yes. And I'm so sorry. I also left out my website, um, www.theinkedintuitive.com. You can send me an email through there, book an appointment with me through there as well. Well, thank you. This has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. This has been, it's been nice and it has been educational and it just made my heart happy. Like you said, too, it just made me so happy. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> well, you made my heart happy when I realized I had to do a podcast because you told me to in a way. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, when you said that and you said that I read for you, I wish you could have felt my heart just swell. Like, oh, what did I do? What did I say? <laughs> Because when I leave those events, you know, like I said in the beginning, you have to turn that off. You have to turn it off um, or the rest of your life can get out of whack very easily. I mean, girl, I can tell you about this another time, but I've even had people read me or bring their animals for me to read. And that was a gift I didn't know I had. I picked up this little, it was a terrier breed. And I said, there's something going on with the, the right hip. I don't know what it is, but something's going on in the right hip. They took the dog to the vet. Dog had hip dysplasia. They didn't even know it was in the process and it was the right hip. But please do not call me the animal whisperer. That was like a (laughs) one-off. But no, this has been really, really fun. It really has. Well, thank you, Jasmine, the inked intuitive. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Yes, ma'am. And to you too. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Witchcasting with Theodora Pendragon. Have a burning question or have a topic you'd love Theodora and her guests to discuss on the show? Contact her through Instagram at Theodora Pendragon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And help us spread the word by leaving us a rating and review and sharing it with your friends. See you next time, and may your magic always shine.